Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mike thought I was going to miss a second day in a row. Right off the bat, before we even fire up the microphones and click live, Mike in Texas says, think MIA Corey will be joining us today? Well, here I am. I'm ready to go. I'm, Let's do this. I was on the road yesterday. I was coming back from. I tried to tell them that. Obviously, Orchard Park. You, you know, DK and I hitting the road together, and there was some snow on the ground in Erie. The most snow that we snow we saw on this trip was leaving the hotel in Erie, Pennsylvania, to come back home on on Tuesday. So, like, you know, I, it's a good thing they moved the game. Do not get me wrong. I'm not going to start that. I'm glad oh, they moved yeah, the game. Seeing everything in Orchard Park on Sunday was was absolutely miserable. I'm glad they moved the game. It was a much better experience on Monday. But now, Chris, we get to talk about the offseason as obviously the Steelers, a wild card round exit to the Bills. He's Chris Halleck. I'm Corey Christen. This is, of course, the Southside Beat as we are Monday through Friday, 3 to 3.30-ish Eastern here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. And Chris, step one. What is it? That's what we're talking about. We got to start at the start here with this offseason. Yeah. We have to figure out how are the Steelers going to make these improvements going into 2024? Obviously, a long road between now and August slash September. Obviously, a long road between now and Latrobe. A long road between now and April even, where there's an NFL draft. But step one has to start today. Yeah. Where do they go? That's what we're going to get into today. <clears throat> well, I think uh, we're really not going to get tr- any true answers on that until Mike Tomlin addresses the media. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously we know that they've got to hire an offensive coordinator um, because, you know, it's not like Eddie Faulkner was immediately deemed the uh, full offensive coordinator. It had the tag interim you know, next to it. So yep. uh, the Steelers will go through a process in which they um, – in which they interview candidates. And uh, um, obviously the, the big question based off of precedent is um, how do they go about that interview process? Does it include several in-house candidates? We know Glenn Thomas is leaving um, mm-hmm. to, to go to a college job. Um, it's just, it's really interesting to see how that's going to go. But as much as I want to like touch on offensive coordinators and, and, I've I've already like I'm doing live cues on the site today. If you haven't, you know, stop by and, and dropped a question in there, mm-hmm. uh, drop one in. But uh, um, I've even already had questions about offensive coordinators. Alex Van Pelt was obviously fired, uh, you know, and so the former now former Browns offensive coordinator. And so I got a question about him. As much as as much as I I would uh, like to address offensive coordinator, I think we we really need to hear what Mike Tomlin has to say first, and maybe that's just the the reporter in me. I, I don't know. Like, I understand mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, on the beat anymore or anything like that, but the reporter in me was like, I want to hear what the head coach has to say, not only regarding his status, because he already addressed the team that, but just overall his reflection on the season and how they go into the off season. I want to hear his perspective on that. Yeah. And what direction does he envision 
taking this thing. If he's going to stay and it sounds like he's going to stay and he tells the team he's, he's going to stay, he's yeah, staying. he's going to stay. And look, before we get into anything further about Mike Tomlin staying, like, yeah, Mike Tomlin could say all that, but Art Rooney could decide differently. So it's not to say that Art Rooney's going to, but it's not off the table. This is still very early stage in the offseason. That would now, be Robert, the only person who says Mike Tomlin can't coach next year. Exactly. <laughs> now, Robert says, when does Mike Tomlin talk to the media? We do not know yet. Um, no word that. as of this moment. When Mike Tomlin's going to give a press conference, he usually gives one, obviously, you know, postpartum, if you will. Um, postmortem, excuse me, goodness. Postmortem right after the season ends. And um, we have a big told as of right now when that's going to happen. Now, potentially tomorrow, Thursday, potentially Friday, certainly, by this stage. So it's not today. It, it wasn't on Tuesday. They they opened the locker room Tuesday. Yeah, I know, Mike. It's It's that kind of week. Headache and everything setting in. It's that it's that postseason season, uh, you know, all that. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, so not yet, but you know, obviously there's a lot to iron out, and I think Mike Tomlin will give a a um little bit of a preview of what's to come, so to speak, for this offseason and what's expected. Now, Barber, yeah, he's he's tired of talking about Mike Tomlin staying on as head coach. Dude. I think a lot of people are. Um, because as I wrote after the Bills game. The only person that has a say in that is, and we just said it, is Art Rooney. Mike Tomlin's under contract for one year, which means he is contractually obligated to coach this team in 2024 unless Art Rooney says otherwise. Or Mike Tomlin says otherwise. If he really was considering retiring or or taking a break, so to speak, which if you know Mike Tomlin, Chris and I know him on a certain level because we're reporters, that man is as football junkie as football junkie gets, and that was never going to happen. No, no. uh... So. All, all it takes is uh, being on the beat for just a very short amount of time. You know, once you see how, I mean, it's one thing to watch him coach during training camp, you know, but he also knows he's putting on a show. Sure. Right? I mean, he knows he's putting on a show. All those practices are, are you know, um, you know, open to the public and everything. Once you see how he coaches, during, you know, whenever it's like week to week during the season and those are all private practices, it's a little bit different. You see a little bit of, of a different side of Mike Tomlin during those practices. Um when you have conversations with him, like, um, for example, a really kind of way to peel back the curtain just a little bit. Um, when when we go cover the the owners meetings uh, that happen, uh, you know, usually near the end of March, um, all the coaches, you know, there's a there's an AFC day and an NFC day. Um, all the coaches sit down and do like a breakfast roundtable type thing. But that's open to all reporters. Yeah. Um, and now all the coaches are talking at the same time. So you have to kind of pick and choose which which talks or which coach coaches you want to talk to. Um, but a select few of the local reporters get to sit down and talk with Mike Tomlin, you know, just kind of off on on our own. And this is usually on a different Casually. day. Casually. Yeah. And now, granted, Tomlin still kind of puts up that wall. It's not like a, hey, let's sit back and have a beer together type of conversation, but it's still a little bit. And just every moment that I've had an interaction with Tomlin, whether it be a question in a press conference, whether it be observing a practice, can confirm and confirm and then confirm again how much that man loves football. Um, Watching him at the Senior Bowl get right up in there where the players are, the dude just eats – sleeps lives breathes football taking a year off never made sense um it's it, when the report came out yesterday i'm like oh let me 
put on my surprised face. Mm-hmm. That guy's as football junkie as football junkie gets. I, I can recall over in Latrobe at training camp, and and there was a there was a dinner with the media. Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan joined, and, and it was very relaxed, very laid back, and getting to peel back the curtain, so to speak. And even in the moments that Mike Tomlin was not talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was still talking about football in, in a lot of ways. There was obviously some personal stuff, and, and I'm not going to share any details or anything, but Mike Tomlin still talks football. That's what Mike Tomlin is. That's what Mike Tomlin does. So to think otherwise, you're just not paying attention, quite frankly. Now, this offseason is going to have to go through layers, obviously. Mm-hmm. And offensive coordinator talk, you know, Matt asks here, any word on offensive coordinator? We have a long way to go on that. Yeah. Really, we do. And and there's hasn't been any interviews yet. There haven't been any um, checks as far as who's out outside um, going to possibly come in or be available or any of that. So we're early on the offensive coordinator search. And I'm going to write about this at some point, potentially later this week. Like, the most important piece to this offseason to me is Kenny Pickett. And it's the determination of whether it's going to be Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, or somebody from the outside that's going to be the quarterback of this franchise yeah. starting in 2024 and moving forward. Now, the Steelers could have a plan. They could have it in mind what that is now. They might not have that in mind right now. Truly, we don't know that answer as of right now. But there is one option that is definitively on the table under contract and that's Kenny Pickett. I would be shocked if Mitch Trubisky is not cut just based on his contract situation. That is a as cut candidate as cut candidate gets Mason Rudolph obviously now has played his way into options elsewhere. So whether he wants to stay in Pittsburgh or go test the free agent market again and potentially get a bridge job or or a more lucrative backup job somewhere or hell if the Steelers want to keep him on as the starter. There are so many options that have to go forward with the quarterback. However, I love what Biad says here. Extension for Mike Tomlin, step one, if that's what's in the cards. Step two is the OC. Step three is Mason or whoever at quarterback. And, of course, that includes Kenny Pickett. Yeah, That includes potential options outside. I think those are the three most important things in this offseason right there, mm-hmm. as summed up in one sentence right there by Biad here on the screen. Yeah, no, I mean – we obviously can talk about quarterback and it will be uh, part of the conversation for a, a long time, um, you know, if, for at least a couple of months um, just because, you know, Kenny's not going anywhere. He's under contract for at least another two years. Yep. Um, Mason Rudolph, you know, obviously he's an unrestricted free agent, but free agency doesn't begin until middle of March. So we got a, a ways to go before then, unless somehow they can sign him to sign him to a new contract before free agency starts. Which, if I'm Mason Rudolph, I don't do that. I want to see what's out there. I want to right. test the market and see what I can get. Um, but none of that really matters until we know who the offensive coordinator is. Uh, what kind of an offense you know, will the Steelers have? How much of an overhaul should we expect? If it's Eddie Faulkner coming, like actually being promoted to the full-time offensive coordinator, we have a little bit of a taste of what, what we might see. Now, granted, he wasn't. it wasn't necessarily his playbook that we saw it was what he was able to do and tinker with Matt Canada's playbook. But still we kind of saw, you know, you know, hints in play sequencing and, and just in play call. I understand Mike Sullivan was a play call, but again, Eddie Faulkner has a hand in game planning, how they go into a game. So 
that, that was that was part of his decision. So we have a little bit of a, a kind of a tidbit of how that might go. Yet, if it's Clint Kubiak, if it's um, if Mike McCarthy gets fired from from Dallas and he's all of a sudden available, uh, mm-hmm. if it's Alex Van Pelt, I mean, I could throw out a bunch of names. All of those guys do things differently, and who is hired will ultimately kind of dictate who is the best man for the job at quarterback. And so the Steelers could in, in that interview process say, build a playbook to support Kenny Pickett because Kenny Pickett is our guy, no matter what, or they could say, or they could bring Clint Kubiak in and say, Hey, listen, our plan is for Kenny Pickett to be the guy, but if we can make something work and somehow bring Kirk cousins in, how about you do what you did in Minnesota with, with Kirk and, and and Justin Jefferson and kind of build an offense around that. Mm -hmm. And they could go in either option or direction or that offensive coordinator, whoever it might be, could say, listen, we picked 20th in the draft. I think we could get Jane Daniels, JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix, whoever. Mm-hmm. And that's an option. Yeah, and that's a whole nother option. Yeah. We're not even talking about free agent. We're talking about draft and new right. guys and all this kind of stuff. And it's a good class this year. But the coordinator, as as Teresa says here, let's not mince words here. Teresa says, why wouldn't they get the coordinator first so they have input on the quarterback? That's what's going to happen. Yeah. That's the course of direction here. Yep. The, the coordinator, no, nothing on quarterbacks, on Mason, on Kenny, on a draft pick, on a free agent or a trade is going to be decided until the offensive coordinator is hired. Yep. And based on the who that offensive coordinator hire is, is going to be the direction they go as far as the quarterback goes. So, look, right, Spy Guy asked about Eric Bieniemy. Is he good or available? Well, yes, he's good. He's he's very good. He turned Sam Howell. At one point, Sam Howell was leading the league in passing until he fell off and reverted back to a fifth-round draft pick. Like, Eric Bieniemy is a good coordinator. I think there is a lot of potential there. However, his contract in Washington might say otherwise. Uh, Mark asks, why does the NFL let reporters question officials at a press conference? Wouldn't they then hold them accountable? So that is permitted. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a process to have to go through that. Now, yep. it runs through the Pro Football Writers of uh, Association. And basically... Writers of America, sorry. Yes, Pro Football Writers of America. What am I... I'm thinking of... I'm thinking of BBWAA. Uh, yes, BBWAA. Yep. I'm like combining BBWAA yeah. with Pro Football Writers with, with uh, Football Writers Association of America, which is college, which is what I'm in. Oh yeah, but anyway, so the pro football writers, thank you. Um, <laughs> I know what you mean. Basically, request that they get to one representative gets to interview the head official. There's no mm-hmm. press conference setting ever yep. nope. with the head official. It is one representative of the pro football writers uh, of America, and they interview the official, and they are what's called a pool reporter. Yep. So typically, what happens in these situations is. There's got to be something controversial or worthy of discussion. This isn't like, oh, George Pickens, we think, was held there. What did you see? Those kind of calls are all judgment calls. They always happen. And quite frankly, we won't get an answer that will satisfy anything. It'll just be the same canned, it was a judgment call response. Yeah. But when there's actual explanation needed, that is an option to interview an official. It's one reporter. And typically what happens is that reporter will get designated in the game They will field questions from other reporters. Hey, should we ask about this? Should we ask about that? What do we think about bringing this to him? And it obviously runs along in conjunction with the league. And Mm -hmm. it's that official and that reporter. And then that transcript comes out. It doesn't happen after every game. But when there's something that is so either egregious or so controversial that it simply just has to be explained, that judgment is made 
by the reporters, by the PFWA chapter president, who in this case here in Pittsburgh is Joe Rudder of the Trib, mm-hmm. and of course in conjunction with the NFL. So that is an option. It just doesn't happen after every game. No, and I think you know while while there were definitely some calls that um, weren't great in this game, I don't think anything was egregious enough or game changing enough. Um, that you needed an explanation from the officiating crew. I, I really don't like, again, there were some bad calls. I didn't like the, I didn't like the personal foul call on miles Jack on the, on the slide. I uh, sure. really cannot expect Jack to stop momentum at that point. He's already going down to try to tackle the guy. Um, it's just, it's so bang, bang. Everybody wants to look at those uh, plays like that in slow motion and try to say, Oh yeah, he had plenty of time to pull up. It's like, he really didn't, but, um, obviously did not like the fact that there was no flag. I, I went on, on a rant about that yesterday on Connor McGovern on the cheap shot he had on, on Joey Porter Jr. To me, that it's not even a football play. It's just unacceptable. Um, but nothing in the game was egregious enough and, and, and helped decide the outcome. I, I, I just, you know, when, when you need the, the officials to, even be kind of now you should expect the officials to be as in the middle as possible, but they're not going to be perfect. The The best response I can have is don't get into a 21, nothing hole. No. <laughs> That's the easiest response I can, I can get to. Don't turn the ball over twice. Let them score two touchdowns over it and fall down 21, nothing. No, That's I'm gonna the best play- way to try to not lose that game. Now I'm going to play this clip from miles Jack here pretty soon from post game in the locker room, but I really loved his explanation of, literally why he couldn't get out of the way. And, and you know, for all of the talk about the hit in and of itself, I think there needed to be more talk about the decision-making and, and literally that split second. Let's not forget, these athletes are running at full steam. They're grown men running at full steam. Like, it's a bang-bang split decision to either go in for that hit or even just the action in and of itself, whether he's going to dive or slide or any of that, let's let's listen to Miles Jack and hear his explanation. It's, um, it's, it's damn near impossible because it's like it's like throwing a punch and then not throwing, like catching it as you like. I don't know how to explain it, man. It's like once you commit to something, you know what I mean. You, there's no way you can like pull yourself back out of it. And, and I tried to like I tried to do the best I could, but yeah. That's it right there. Like. Yeah. That play is so bang bang, and yeah, in hindsight, of course, he got penalized on it. It's easy to sit here and say he never should have dove or never should have got down there, but that's just the context I think of how hard of a decision it is to make that play. Yeah, um, I just first off, I, I miss talking with Miles. Miles is a good guy. Um, Talked a lot always, about his hockey franchise. Yeah, I'll tell you that. no, I, I'll tell you what, I would love. I'm a, I'm a gigantic hockey fan. I would love to talk hockey with him, especially because I've been to Allen Americans games. So, mm-hmm. um, but no, it's it's definitely cool. Hey, um, you might see him there now. Shoot, man! Like, yeah, you're you're not kidding. Hey, um, around now. But uh, yeah, no, it's th- those are those are like the, the the main thing that I that I just can't stand. This goes across the board is that defensive players are not protected nearly enough as offensive players. This this isn't even talking about quarterbacks. It's talking about all offensive players and defensive players are have essentially no protection whatsoever. The only way that, that the NFL is making any kind of stride 
and protecting defensive players is like what they're doing with all these fines giving out, you know, to like Jalen Warren and other guys yeah. for lowering their helmet. Connor but that's, Hayward. that's yeah. like the further, the furthest it's gone. It's like, okay, well how about stuff that actually has an impact on the field? How about when Connor McGovern throws his entire body weight into Joey Porter Jr.'s back for no reason, you give him the 15 yard unnecessary roughness call. See, that would have been one going back to what Mark asked about interviewing officials that would have been one where you could have sat there and said, why was there not a call on McGovern? And even then, I think the response would have been something along the lines of they didn't see it or they didn't, or, or I the mean, like right there. <laughs> sometimes they miss those kind of things though. Or like maybe the official that had the, had the play had the wrong angle. I mean, there are so many, yeah, it is wrong. What happened to Joey? I agree. Spy. I thought, I thought that was a bad call, bad, no call should have been called, but it wasn't. So if there was one thing in that game, I think that's what it would have been is, is a question about, about McGovern. Um, so I, I really like that, that topic right there. Um, yeah. What about defensive coordinator asked useless knowledge? You got to evaluate Terrell Austin too, at this stage, when you have TJ Watt, make Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, albeit injured at, at varying points of the season, all three of them. And when you have those three guys and your defense is being paid as much as it is like, how much can you put on injuries and personnel and having to go off the couch for starting safeties and starting linebackers? How much can you put on that as things that affected Terrell Austin and his job? And then how much can you say, well, that's on Terrell Austin? Like yeah. the, the touchdown, for example, the first touchdown of the game, right? The, the pass to Knox. Patrick Peterson and Atlanta Roberts ran the wrong way. They ran to the flat where they where the, none of them should have, or at least one of them should not have. And that's mm -hmm. why Knox was so wide freaking open in the end zone. That's why that play happened. That's not Terrell Austin, unless it is. But it's not Terrell Austin. That is two guys, that's bad communication, going yeah. to the same spot of the field where maybe one of them or maybe both of them should not have been. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's miscommunication, obviously it's it's on the players. But then if it's caught, the one thing you really have to watch out for, and this is whenever all of the like illegal formation penalties were happening with the offense, that's when you have to go back to, okay, is this a coaching issue? Why are why are these issues constantly creeping up? Why are they constantly happening? This should not be happening. That to me is more of a coaching issue. One miscommunication that might not be on coaching. I think the main issue I have with Terrell Austin and his def and his defense, and I I'm definitely speaking more from an offensive mind more than defensive mind here, but. From what I can see is that it doesn't look like the Steelers defense does enough to stress the offense. And it's kind of the same situation that the offense does, but it's it's worse on offense than it is on defense, just because the Steelers do have certain players. If they only rush for, okay, well, TJ Watt can still get to the quarterback. You know, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about, okay, if they constantly drop into Tampa 2 and they don't disguise it well enough to drop into Tampa 2, then quarterbacks are going to eat against that all day because Tampa two is kind of an outdated, you know, coverage. It's it's not completely, you know, it's not a fossil or anything like that. It's not like other teams don't do it. They do. It's how do teams disguise it so that quarterbacks can't see, Oh, they're definitely going to Tampa two here. You know, how do they describe it? Do they show like cover zero? Do they show all out blitz then drop guys back? They've done. Now the Steelers have done certain things, but I'm just trying to think of examples of, it just looks like that they can get to a different level when it comes to disguises and when it comes to how they manipulate offenses because overall across the league, we saw offense kind of take a dip 
you know, throughout. And, and I don't think that's just because all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes turned into a bad quarterback or all of a sudden like other quarterbacks like Joe Burrow all of a sudden forgot how to play football. I do think that it's some credit to how defensive coordinators are now starting to counterpunch what the trends are offensively. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think there is a legitimate need uh, to look at defensive coordinator. And as Mike says here, uh, Mike Vrabel, get it out of your heads now. He's not going to take a D coordinator job. That's a head coach. That's an NFL head coach. If for whatever reason he doesn't get a get a, ho- a head coaching job, then yeah, the, you swing for the fences on that one. But I I would not hold your breath on that one. Yeah, I, I, if it's going to be Mike Vrabel at defensive coordinator, first off, that's Mike your Tomlin, dream. <laughs> first off, first off, that is a dream. Second off, Mike Tomlin has to move on from Terrell Austin first. Third off, Mike I Vrabel. Believe he's Mike. Mike third off, Mike Vrabel would not land a head coaching job somewhere, which it's very possible he still could. So. I'm have to yeah, unless Vra- unless Rabel's picked up in that ma- in that fashion, I would not expect um, I would not expect that Frank Reich is a potential offensive coordinator. I mean, look, we're gonna have plenty of time to talk names. We're gonna have plenty of time to talk candidates. We're gonna have plenty of time to talk about what they could potentially bring to the table. There, they, we're talking about the formula, and I think the proceedings that the Steelers are either going to go on or what we think could happen here in the next couple of months leading into the draft. And the first step is figuring out what Mike Tomlin's direction is, which it sounds like we pretty much have by this point, figure that out. And number two is offensive coordinator and and getting that guy into the building. And then, Hmm. and then obviously figuring out the offensive staff and the rest of it, um, because you never know what that new coordinator is going to want. Uh, Teresa asked, what if they move up in the draft and swing for the fences? I'm assuming that's for quarterback. And, regardless of what position it's for, like the Steelers showed last year that they're willing to go up if they really like a guy yeah, and, and they're willing to make the right move for the right guy. And I think the trade for Broderick Jones or the pick rather that selector that, that they selected Broderick Jones with, I think that trade worked out wonders for them. And at, at the time before they made the pick, it was a good deal to move up when they made the pick. It was obviously a good deal to move up and Broderick Jones was good for them this year. So if there's a guy they really like and they want to move up from 20, they're going to do it. They'll find a way. Omar Khan has shown he'll find a way to do it. Just really quick on, on Tara Lawson. He was promoted to defensive coordinator ahead of the 2022 season. So that would mean that he just completed a second season as defensive coordinator. And typically, and this is what happened with Matt Canada, typically when uh, when a uh, guy is promoted from within to a to a certain position especially a coordinator job they get a new contract and typically head coaches have gotten when they get a new contract it's a four-year contract and when coordinators get a new contract it's a three-year contract so i have i don't know this for sure so this is conjecture on my part based on what i know it would be that tara Austin it has another year left on his contract um Unless for whatever reason they did not give him a, a new contract when they promoted him, then maybe he is, maybe he is off contract now. But that would be something to have to confirm with the team, and I personally have not done that yet. So uh, I've I've seen Mark here says we need a center first round. That's on the list of needs. I think um, I would be more inclined to go either tackle or defensive tackle, offensive tackle, defensive tackle, linebacker, cornerback, center. I think those are the top five needs in no particular order right now. I just don't know if center is going to be the first round. It just depends on what happens 20. with the quarterback, because if the Steelers absolutely do not, like if they don't get anybody, if they don't acquire 
how like whether it be free agency or or trade if they don't acquire Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Justin Fields, any of those established guys who are already in the league and they somehow do like re-sign Mason Rudolph and your one-two punch is Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. However that is, when you go into the draft and for whatever reason, if a certain situation comes up where who are, I, don't know, I haven't looked at the order. Whoever's picking 11th calls Omar Khan and says, hey, we'll take this, this, and this. You guys can move up to 11 and take the quarterback you, we know you want, you know, or whatever it is. And then yeah, There's how do you say no to that there. if you talk about getting a potential franchise-altering quarterback? Yeah. You just – this is still, at the end of the day, for all of the other needs the Steelers have, and they absolutely have needs, tackles one, centers one, defensive tackles another one. They have needs that they have to address. But if quarterback is the most important position, that's not an argument. Somebody said it's a team game yesterday. It absolutely is a team game, but this is a quarterback league. Yes. And if you need proof of that, look at what Josh Allen did to that defense. <laughs> and by the way, look at the I do this every year. Look at the quarterbacks that are, that are left in the AFC and the NFC. Okay. Look at how loaded the AFC is. No. Jackson, Allen, Mahomes, Stroud. Are you kidding me? Do you think it's not a joke? <laughs> do you think not you, Chris? Do no, you think that Kenny Pickett, Mason Rudolph, Justin Fields, Jaden Daniels, any of those guys, Kirk Cousins are better or at the level of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, CJ Stroud? The answer, no, 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 and no, they're not. No. None of those options as of right now are better than or equal to those guys. That's mm -hmm. what this is also about. Now, could Mason Rudolph be? Who the hell knows? Probably not. Could Kenny Pickett be? Who the hell knows? Probably not. But if if you need evidence that this league is a quarterback league, and look at the NFC, by the way. Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, Jordan Love. <laughs> Jordan Love, though. I'm telling you what, you were you were dumping on him quite I know. a bit earlier in the year. But on him, man. he is he is uh making you eat a lot of crow, man, because he so has he is yes, but but Jordan Love is really turned into he is looking like a pretty darn good quarterback, like not just making right reads, but making phenomenal throws. Uh yeah, they're they're doing something special up there in Green Bay. I, I think that's uh I think that's pretty pretty impressive. Um, I do think, you know, as for as much as I stress quarterback, I do think you, I don't think you have to have a, like one of the top guys or you have no chance of winning. You can win if you have like a tier two guy. And I would put like a Kirk cousins in like that tier two Brock Purdy. Yeah. Brock Purdy uh, is tier two to me. Yeah. You can have one of those guys as long as the rest of the supporting cast is really, really strong. And there are parts of the Steelers in which I'm like, okay, yeah, I like, I, I love the one, two punch in the backfield with Najee and Jalen. I love the, 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 the top two of the receiver uh, receiver depth chart with Deontay and George Pickens. Um, I obviously love edge rusher. Um, liked what I saw from Keanu Benton. Like, obviously you looks like you got a shutdown corner in Joey Porter jr. You've got some guys now use this offseason to get more guys. Rogers and use this draft to get more tackle. Sam there you Mollo go. Did great. Like, there's a lot of pieces here. There's, there's yep. let's make no mistake about. It. There's a lot of pieces here. Um, and I'm going to wrap up with a couple, couple quick ones here. Um, yeah, Brian's right. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes do not grow on trees. No, they don't. And, and you need to have the right offensive coordinator, the right system to develop a guy. 
Mm-hmm. Now, can Kenny Pickett still be that? Who the hell knows? The offensive coordinator will dictate that. Fine. I love this point from Jim here, and I think it's a good way to close the show. Jim says, really interested to see how Omar Khan's second draft and offseason goes. Absolutely. Omar Khan. Like, like, let's not forget, okay? There's so much doom and gloom right now, I, I, I think, around the Steelers. And I get it. Like, they were a team that underachieved. They're a team that is kind of directionless right now, almost a quarterback. They're a team that there were a lot of outside noise created about Mike Tomlin, even though it was pretty foregone he was going to come back anyway. Like, a lot of talk about the Steelers other than what they could potentially do in this offseason. Everybody, they called him the con artist for a reason in last offseason with the draft. And signing Sayamalo and getting Patrick Peterson in and doing what he did over last offseason, bringing Allen Robinson, a veteran, into the receiver's room. All of this stuff that Omar Khan did last offseason was ranted and raved about for months. And he got the con artist nickname out of it, and everybody loved what he did. And then things kind of fell flat, and obviously they fired the coordinator, and things went sideways throughout the season. And that's kind of sometimes what just happens. You could build great rosters. Ask the Philadelphia Eagles. Ask the Philadelphia Eagles. Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie built top to bottom, one of the best rosters in the entire NFL. And then they got absolutely smoked by Baker freaking Mayfield in Tampa Bay in the first round this past weekend. You could build an outstanding roster Mm -hmm. and still get smoked in the playoffs. This is how this business works in a very harsh way. But as Jim said, Omar Khan, his first offseason was tremendous as the GM. It's reasonable to believe that if the Steelers are going to improve, that Omar Khan could have another good offseason like that. Yeah, you, I mean, your GMs are never going to bat a thousand when it comes to no matter what it comes to when it comes to certain hires for their for their staff, the coaching staff, the scouting department, um, anything else. Um, obviously, when it comes to free agent signings, who they select in the draft, you're never going to bat a thousand ever. Mm-hmm. It's how many do the do the good decisions outweigh the bad decisions? Do the do the you know? And I think based off of the first off season, like yeah, probably the biggest probably disappointment is that they didn't they weren't able to resign Cam Sutton, sure. and and you know for as versatile as Patrick Peterson became down the stretch, you'd still rather have Cam Sutton playing that role than Patrick Peterson because Cam Sutton right now is a better player than Patrick Peterson is. However, when you look at everything else, you brought it up. Sam Allo, great signing. I mean, rough, a little rough to start the season, but turned into their 100% their best offensive lineman. I don't think, and was, I, I don't think he allowed a sack this year. No, he did not. He did, and, and honestly, that's what they brought in Sam Allo, uh, Sam Allo in for. They brought him in to be a decent run blocker, which he was, but to mainly be a good pass protector, which he was with Philadelphia. And he was a great pass protector this season, like you said, didn't allow a sack. And you look through everything else. Obviously, the draft looked great. Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, Nick Herbig, uh, Darnell Washington. Those guys contributed and contributed in a very positive way. Really good rookie class as of right now. Obviously, you don't judge a rookie class based off of what they did as rookies. You got to judge from what they do off of after three, four, five seasons, you know. Um, but overall first impressions. Yeah, it was a really good first off season. I'm really curious. It's a really good point to bring it up, um, to, to really see, uh, what Omar does in the second off season. And like, you know, like we talked about after Mike Tomlin addresses the media, whether it be later this week or first thing next week, whenever it is, all attention will turn to who do they hire now? Granted, that's still more of a Mike Tomlin thing. Who do they hire at OC? But then once they get all that stuff in order, then it'll be Omar Khan's. Time to roll up the sleeves and get to work and 
And Andy Weidel. Off we go. Andy Weidel, too. Andy, Same with Andy Weidel. Andy Weidel is the guy who's uh, who's in charge of putting the draft board together. Obviously, he'll have a hand in free agency as well. Um, but, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what they do in the second offseason. Again, look at last offseason. This team can turn a corner pretty quickly. That's just the nature of the NFL. You can turn a corner pretty quickly yep. if you have a couple of really good offseasons. Well, look what the Texans just did. Got the right quarterback, got the right head coach, and now they're one game away from playing in the AFC Championship. They're two games away from playing in the Super Bowl. I've submitted my ballot for the PFW. This will be my final thought. Submitted my ballot for the PFWA Awards uh, just to kind of you know go on on that. Both Coach of the Year and Executive of the Year, I went with the Houston guys. Sure. I mean, that's, that's just, valid. I mean, I went with D'Amico Ryans. It was close. I, I, I almost voted for Stefanski because he deserved it with all the injuries he had to deal with, still getting Cleveland to, to the record that they, they did. Thought yeah. he did a great, great job. But D'Amico Ryans turning Houston into what everybody thought they were going to be into playing in the divisional round. And I mean, legitimate chance. I mean, like legitimate chance of being able to go and, and make it even to a conference championship game. Um, and then, obviously, with the with the way that they built the roster, I gave credit to both Ryan's and uh, oh, what's his name? I can't think of the Casario. Thank, thank you, Casario. They could um, beat the Ravens. Like, I would not be stunned if the Texans beat the Ravens at all. No, not one bit. Not one. Ravens bit. are really good though. The, the two teams that I thought had the best chance of beating the Ravens in the playoffs are out, and that was the, the, those were the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, Barber, I remember Mike Tomlin telling a story, and this will be my kind of final like thing before we get out of here. Um, about how when he was basically scouting George Pickens, he was down in Athens, Georgia, at the University of Georgia, asking who is the guy they're going to be back for next year. That guy was Broderick Jones. So Mike Tomlin loves his UGA. Mike Tomlin loves his Alabama. He loves his. And if you want, Don't more you love evidence, the SEC? <laughs> if you want, well, right. But if you want more evidence about Alabama. Go back to the week leading into the Texans game when I asked him about scouting Will Anderson and the absolute transcript he gave of an answer about why he loved Will Anderson. That's your indicator of where Mike Tomlin's thinking and where he loves to scout and where he loves to find his talent. All right, we got to get out of here. DK and Ramona coming up in about 25 minutes. Here where you found this live on DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube. Remember, we're live every Monday through Friday. It's off-season mode time, but there's still tons to talk about. Darren comes in with the with the with the comment of the day, man. Draft Dino for a championship. Nice Got to take Dino Tomlin out of Boston College, man. That's going to be the guy that puts that receiving core over the top. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Go get. Uh, that was hilarious, dude. Good job. I think I think part of the fun was manufacturing the pit uh the pit draft from last year trying to figure out which one of kenny's buddies are going to come in and by the way by the way kalijah cansey kalijah cansey woo he's come along really good for the buccaneers really nice Jordan Hansen looks really good in minnesota yes he did mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. either one of those pit guys i mean they got a good one in broderick jones first round let's not oh yeah, let's, re- yeah. revise history but let's just see if he, he actually plays left tackle next season well, we'll find out. There's a long road ahead, and we'll have those answers within months. But for today, on the day, start working on your golf coverage. Funny enough, Brent, I, I talked to DK in brief about a certain U.S. Open that uh, is coming to town. You oh, never know. That's right. You never know. That's right. 
that would be it's going to be there that would be one thing that is a Mm. bucket list cover it item is the u.s open for me i love golf i've always played it i've always loved it the biggest the the the, the dream tournament for me no matter what is uh is obviously augusta uh for the masters but u.s open that would be that would be pretty darn cool for sure um yeah Yeah. that would be st andrews uh for the british open too uh no you know love alex love taylor Love you, Chris. Obviously, Jose coming along. I want it. I want that. I want Oakmont, baby. I want it. Uh, that's my that's my plea. That's my pledge. Yeah, Mr. CJ Jr. says, nice to see Corey made it to work for a change. Yeah, you know what? It is. It's nice to be back. It's nice to be back and not on the road. And it's nice to not be caught in snow and back in some warmth. I, listen, I had heat issues in this place that I live in. I had a heat issues last night. I was seeing breath last night. I'm thankful to be back under a roof, under heat, home. It's nice. It's good to be home. We have a long off season ahead of us. Darren trying to correct. It's well, if we really want to get completely technical, it's the open championship technically. But I mean, I just, I'm just talking about, I just, it's, it's in British. It's in Britain. It's in Britain. It's in the United Kingdom. It's the United Kingdom. It's the open that's in Britain. Peaky blinders cap there, and I think that was about St. Andrews would be cool though because my stepmom's Scottish, and so I've always wanted to go to Scotland. And St. Andrews is awesome. No peaky blinders cap, but uh, Chris, I think you know this uh, from a certain movie franchise. Oh, come on! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not. I, I'm not as like when it comes to like all of the stuff that can be classified as nerds. I'm not as hip and up to date on the Harry Potter stuff. I'm just yeah. not. So for those listening, I have a, I have a herbology shirt on, uh, as a node, as a, as a note to Harry Potter, as a nod to Harry Potter and as a nod to my significant other who bought the shirt for me. And I really like it. So, all right. CJ says, appreciate you guys. Well, we appreciate you all again, live Monday through Friday, three Eastern DK Pittsburgh sports Jealous. on YouTube there. That's awesome. Jealous. There, and that's awesome. We'll have to revisit that point when we have more time this offseason mm-hmm. to talk about your your trips to Scotland. We'll have to we'll have to do that. Um, but yeah. for now, DK and Ramon in 20 minutes. He's Chris Halleck. He's over here. I, I feel out. like it's mirrored. I'm Corey Christen. This has been the Southside Beat. Cheers, everybody. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>